Adil, you were talking about being too wired to talk about the Tao. What I had opened with earlier was like, I couldn't tell you about this week if I like had all 90 minutes to tell you about the week. That was like a very positive thing. It's been like a fucking amazing week. But it's just, I'm like amped from the week and I'm like amped mm. from the caffeine from the that was necessary to get me amped about the week. So Zen is just not where my head is. ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he looks like an FTX employee or something. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Empty is. In his all black jail guard. <laughs> 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 it's funny it's funny you say that though Adil, because i've also been crazy amped this week and i think it's because i've like since since tuesday morning i haven't been working on the book at all and so i feel like i have it it's like my brain is looking for things to throw <laughs> energy at like i didn't realize how tiring that process was and so i'm just like yeah. <laughs> like, like let's, let's go like read it like let's go do this <laughs> it's a very like fun manic uh, hyper-caffeinated without needing as much caffeine state. I like it. This so, na- and the episode is an excellent like state of mind to be in for this episode, yeah. which is about sitting to, still and not being. We just need to get Neil. Oh, oh, I'm very caffeinated, so I'm on. I'm on. I'm on the same level. Thank <laughs> 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 you. That's a cameo we haven't had in a lot, like years, probably on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we've had Pepper since we've had her. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should, we, should we talk about the book? Or yeah, yeah, should, yeah. Should we get into it? Adil, I think you at wanted to point. say something else. I was. Off. I was going to take what is a tangent from a tangent, and it doesn't. It barely even relates to the thing we were going to talk about. Instead of the book, let's just go. Well, now off. you have to do it. No, now you can't <laughs> okay. give that intro and then just be like, no, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, have either of you played Super Hot on the Oculus? Oh, so good. I have yeah. not. So, my Neil, buy the Oculus. Okay. okay. <laughs> just buy it for this game. And okay. if necessary and you hate it, just, I don't know, return it or give it to one of us. There'll, there'll be a lot of used ones in January you can probably buy for like half the price, oh, yeah. Neil. Well, I guess people will get it for Christmas January. or something. People will get it for Christmas and use it for like five hours. And that's that's yeah. about how long you need an Oculus for. It's like five or six hours. And then you can <laughs> Perfect. It. I'll buy it in January. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beg to differ from Nat because I think okay. you, could play, you could play Super Hot for 24 hours minimum. Uh, <laughs> the, the relationship between why I have my Oculus and playing Super Hot is one-to-one. <laughs> so what I'm going to start doing because so last night I was playing a bit and I just got so into it and I had like a sweater on and at the end I was drenched I was just soaking with sweat because I was like crouching and squatting and jumping and doing all these crazy things and I was thinking about Nat's tweet about uh, the what is it called a rucksack or ruck pack or whatever yeah yeah, oh, so yeah, I, have waited, yeah cool. I have a weighted vest uh, so I think my new like at home workout is going to be like throw 20 to 40 pounds on the vest and yeah. then just get into VR and like dodge bullets and like fight bad guys. Dude, yeah, if you're playing super hot with like, a weighted vest on, that would actually be a pretty intense workout. That actually seems like a great workout. Yeah. yeah. So Neil, for context, the the way super hot works is you're like shooting bad guys and moving through space, but time only moves when you move. Oh. So the enemies are on like a fixed timetable. And so it's, it's as much of a puzzle game as a shooting game because you have to figure out how efficiently you can move to get ahead of them and shoot them and dodge their bullets 
before they get you. It's re- it's a incredible concept. It's really fun. Damn, now I want to just not wait till January and just get it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was laughing because I was before Adil explained that I was like, I wonder if this was like why the week was so great. He was like, it's been such a great week, guys. I got the <laughs> highest score I've ever gotten in Super <laughs> Exactly. Like that's why I've been so caffeinated. (laughs) I don't even have a job anymore. I just pop on the headset. (laughs) But uh, no one watching will benefit. No one listening will benefit from this. But I'll just show you guys. Uh, The living room is set up in VR mode, where like everything's nice. Oh yeah, yeah, you moved everything. I moved everything. (laughs) Priorities. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of games, my. my my like balance with writing has been playing this game called Satisfactory, where you literally it it's like it's like Minecraft for uh like businessy people honestly in a little bit it's like it's it's the most fun I've had with a open world sim since like early SimCity games. Basically, oh, wow. you get that's high praise. You, yeah, you get dropped onto a planet. And your goal is to basically just build as massive of a like production factory as possible, utilizing the natural resources of the planet. So you like build mining rigs and stuff to like harvest iron and copper and whatever. And you're building progressively more and more complex systems until eventually you have like electromagnetic trains and drones and uh, like hover packs and everything like flying all over the world to like harvest materials and build bigger and bigger factories. And there's no, there's almost no combat. There's no timelines. There's no, like, nothing runs out. You don't have to, like, fix stuff. You just keep building a progressively, like, more and more advanced planet. It's incredibly satisfying. I think I've logged, like, about 100 hours in the last (laughs) two months since I started playing it. (laughs) All right. I have the tab open. That's going to be, that's going to be this evening. (laughs) It's so good. No, it's not, man. We're hanging out this evening. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, Neil. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo. <laughs> you you get to sit in the corner and watch a deal play video. Yeah. He's like, you can use my Oculus. He's like, you can use my Oculus while I play yeah. this. You can play super hot while a deal plays satisfactory. Oh, I'm looking at this thing right now, though. This game does look awesome. If you, if you guys get into it, if you guys get into it, you can do multiplayer worlds where you host it on a third-party server like AWS, and then the world is like always running, and we can each log into it at any time and like work on it together on our own schedules, which is pretty cool. Whoa! That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's the future of work. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like a planet that you're building with your friends. Like it's fucking cool. <laughs> so I randomly the other day, like, well, a couple weeks ago. Um, picked up like ender's game because i was like bored and that was the only Ooh. like yeah and i was like i haven't read this in a while well like years and i'm like reading it and i'm at you know like if you guys both read it they're like sort of doing this like vr war simulation yeah. i'm not gonna give the spoiler but there's vr war simulation and i was like first of all i was like when this book was written this stuff was like very far-fetched now it's like not far-fetched at all and the second thing i was thinking when you're showing me this game i'm like what if like this is how you built like civilizations on other planets where it's yeah, like right. you have robots on these other planets actually doing the physical stuff, but you it's being controlled by like human intelligence on earth. Totally. That's super. That's like a, yeah, I don't know. That's a cool concept. 
Well, and games like this, I was talking about this with Cosette because we were like, you know, what video games would we let our kids play and how much would we let them play them? And with a game like this, it it's very hard to justify not letting them play it almost as much as they want to because yeah. they're, you know, it's very creative. You're like designing buildings and designing systems and doing all this stuff. It's very like, you know, process optimization oriented. Like you're developing pretty useful business and life skills around like long-term thinking and planning and uh, organization and all of these things. It's like, yeah, it's a video game. So you're inside in front of a screen, but that's almost the only bad thing I can yeah. point to with it. Right. Everything else is like, this is, this is literally a very fun job. <laughs> like you're, you are electing to do a job that just happens to be optimized for being a super fun job. And I, you're learning a lot. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the game, but I would imagine it's probably better than like 80% of textbook material on a similar, like you know, supply chain process or anything like that. Totally. Yeah. It's I mean, definitely playing. better than like an economics book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. So I, uh, I feel like there will be a lot of good education in that space, right? Like using games to teach these kinds of concepts. A really fun board game I recently was introduced to is called Terraforming Mars. It's basically mm. Settlers of Catan. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a shell company owned by SpaceX. Uh, but no, it's you like go and you build on Mars the way you would like a Settlers of Catan game. Except the things you build affect like the oxygen percentage in the atmosphere and the temperature of the planet. And cool. as the, the game ends, when the planet becomes like fully habitable. So you just like build it. And then whoever has built the most useful stuff uh, at that point wins the game. So it's, it's like very representative in a way. And like all the actions you take, you have to buy, you have to go there with a company. It's like the semi dystopian, like, but pretty realistic feeling corporations go to Mars and they build it up. And then the, and it's a board game. Wins. Yeah. It's a board game. Cool. Wow. Interesting. It takes about three hours to play, <laughs> nice. uh, but, but it's, it's good. I like, I like a good, like thinking strategic board game. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's very fun. Uh, if you want something on the complete opposite end of heavy thinking board games, I got introduced to one called Clask last night. And you kind of have to just look this up to get it. But imagine like air hockey combined <laughs> with imagine like air hockey, but on a small wooden board using magnets with oh. some extra rules involved. So you have this like little pawn that kind of looks like a pawn from chess and you move it with a magnet under the board and you're trying to like hit this little plastic ball into your enemy's goal. Uh, and then there's also these like other little magnets floating around the board. And if two of them get stuck to you, you lose a point. If the ball goes into your goal, you lose a point. Or if you lose control of your pawn, you lose a point. So it, it's like air hockey with extra rules and on like a much smaller uh, table, but they also have a four player one, which is like max chaos. So, <laughs> It's like flying. It's it's incredibly fun. We played it for like an hour and a half straight last night uh, <laughs> at our friend's house, and and it's nice because after we played it, we said the same or something that uh, that made me think of it. A deal was like a lot of the games that we do play are kind of that like Catan, Seven Wonders, Pandemic, like thinking, strategic, hard to explain to somebody. It was also it was kind of nice to play a game where it's like yeah. hit ball with pawn, <laughs> like, yeah, smash, <laughs> yeah. yeah, where you don't need to really think. Well, you do need to think, but it's not like uh, 
there's no it's not like a strategy game where someone's yeah, exactly. like okay there's like a billion rules and like you're gonna have yeah, to play this be, 20 times before you fully get it right yeah you know, it's like no just whack <laughs> yeah. one i've been liking a lot which i was introduced to this summer is monopoly deal oh which so is good amazing it's the best <laughs> it's so good I love that game. A deal's shaking his head. You don't like I have never won that game ever. I oh my played, god! I think I've played fifty thousand times. I've played Monopoly. Deal, <laughs> oh and my I have god! Never, really? Ever won? Bad allocator <laughs> resources. Yeah, That's, stay away from real estate. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when we were Do in not let school, a deal run your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> When we were in high school, we had a modified version of Monopoly. We had like a few custom rules. Uh, one of them was that like anytime anyone landed on a property, it went straight to auction. And the auction was a one-time written auction. So everyone just put the highest thing they were willing to pay and revealed. And I then believe that's around. in the actual rule book. Really? Yeah. Huh. But most people don't play with that. Most people don't play, which is why yeah. it takes like 12 hours to play. I thought the actual rule was the uh, player who lands gets the first option and then it goes to auction. Oh, oh, you're saying it just goes straight to auction. Straight the to auction. Per- yeah. Oh, interesting. No one gets okay. preference. So it just, it almost like oh, someone wow. landing there puts it on the market and then everyone can bid, but it's a one-time bid, a one-time hmm. silent bid. You reveal on paper, whoever's is the highest gets the property. Then to uh, build on properties, you can form alliances that are totally laissez-faire. So like now if you have two red and I have one red, but you have no money, I can, we can form a team and then I'll pay for everything and I'll take like 80% of the profit. And it's just an agreement you and I keep up. Uh, if we have like, that's kind of cool. Team, I like these side yeah, deals. Like, yeah. It, this is nice. It was awesome. And we were just, just getting, probably gets ruthless too. Cause you probably have like deals with different fights. people. <laughs> <laughs> we get these huge fights. People would leave like the house and be like angry, be like everyone teamed up on me. Fuck you guys. Like, walk out. Like, <laughs> yeah. This sounds way better than the normal rules. I love it. Was it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Google doc where we wrote it all down. There were a few other ones that were interesting, but uh, I don't remember them now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, this I, is an epic tangent to start the episode. I know, <laughs> it's great. Should we just do a whole episode of goofing off and then do the book in like two weeks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, I like it. I'm not opposed, I, actually. <laughs> I'm not either. Should we just do that? Should we just, should we yeah, just do that? I'll rename the episode. If, the goof off episode. <laughs> goof off episode, yeah. I, I'd be curious to hear what people think about it, too. So let us know what well, you think, guys. I'll throw one more in, which I saved in my back pocket because I figured we'd eventually get to the DAO. But since we're not, um, have you guys ever played four-player chess? No, no, but, but you is- showed it to me before. I would, I would recommend this one. It's a commitment. You need four people who are willing to sit for like ninety minutes, but it changes all like the game theory part of it because it's if you play one, 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 like each person goes, and then. Every time you make a move, there are going to be three moves after yours before you play again. So right. oh, the beginning okay. of the game is very defensive. The end of the game is hyper-aggressive. But a few things that you normally take for granted from chess disappear. One is the sides are now the sides of the board are now like aggressors. So there's no safe... It's not the aggressor's not in front of you. You're actually surrounded by aggressors. The second thing is if you and another player get into an exchange, like a peace exchange, then it's net bad for both of you because everybody else now has an advantage against the two that exchange pieces. 
And the last one is you could have three people in sequence put you in check and then checkmate you before it comes back to you. So there's all these small mechanics that change. Interesting, yeah. It's like, after you play that, like chess is unbearably boring. (laughs) (laughs) Like Neil, if... Oh, yeah, I got it right behind me. So, <laughs> you skip when you guys are done playing you. in VR, you can play. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way this satisfactory game looks, I feel like you'd never be done playing it. Like it kind of has no, that roller coaster tycoon, like SimCity feel. Yeah. The the Reddit community like around it, it is really, really strong and really cool because. <clears throat> Uh, after you finish like the main game, then it's like, okay, well, how sick can I make my planet? And so the the buildings that people come up with or like the intricate factories and stuff that they make are like really, really cool. Because you've got like not just all of the manufacturing buildings, but you also have like a full suite of architectural tools, like, you know, tons of different types of windows and walls and roofs and, you know, sort of like an infinite color palette and whatever. So you get kind of get pretty crazy with it. It's pretty cool. How did you come across this game? Like, I'm just, I'm still on the website. I'm still like browsing through it. Do you guys, have you guys ever seen the YouTube channel Epic Gardening? No. So th- this is a, this is a shout out for Kevin. It's run by this guy, Kevin. I'm actually not sure how to pronounce his last name. I think it's like a spear two, but oh, I've seen him on Twitter. I yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Super cool guy. Super cool guy. Got really into like backyard gardening and homesteading. And now his YouTube channel has like 2 million subscribers and he like built a whole business around like home gardening tools and materials. And like, I think they raised a bunch of money and it's like a 20 person team or something. It's really cool. And he's just like super passionate and into gardening. And, but he tweeted about it uh, at some point. And I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. And, you know, checked it out and was like, Oh God, like, what have I done? (laughs) It's actually good though. I think like, what, what one thing I I kind of embraced while doing the like rough draft process is that it it is like weirdly psychologically draining. So if I get the two thousand plus words done per day, like not feeling guilty about playing video games or goofing off the rest of the day, like helps not get burnt out quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's actually a good tactic. Like you can't be on all the time. It's just not like no matter how much you have to to do, it's like, I don't know. That's why I always wonder like people that there's not like a diss to anybody, but it's like people who do work in jobs that are like a hundred hours a week or something. It's like, you can't actually be working a hundred hours a week. You could definitely do some work for a hundred hours a week, right? Like, you know, you you can't be working at top performance for a hundred hours a week is what I mean. Like, I I think you could even be at top performance for certain tasks, right? Like, like I think about support tickets, right? And if you've got like churn through them, I guess you could, you could churn through that for a lot of hours. I think that where you really can't do that is like very creatively intense stuff. Like, yes. Like writing is one. yeah, Yeah. Writing drawing uh like composing right i think anything where you're like summoning stuff out of the ether you have a much more limited pool of time for it or pool of energy or whatever but like following existing processes i think following a recipe you could yeah yeah that i think you can do for quite a while yeah that i guess that makes sense that that makes sense yeah so if it's a creative task it's probably a lot harder to to do like that but I, I, at least i found the same thing that you just mentioned which is taking like if you take a break you step away or you just work and then you're done for the day like after a few hours 
you find yourself doing better the next day than like, like if you tried to work fully through, you know, like if you left a little bit on the table, I even feel like you, you kind of have something left for the next day. It's like I weird. tried to up my daily quota to 3000 words and I did it for a week, but then it was very clear that it was like hurting more than it was helping. It was just too much. Just yeah. like making me very drained and exhausted. So it's like, all right, 2000 is a good number. The deal's on mute, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't want the background noise to seep in. You asked uh, me, okay, okay. I was just going to ask what you raised it from, but 2,000 to 3,000 is like a very substantial increase. Yeah, it's a lot of words. Yeah. 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 Well, that's how you got to 125,000 or whatever that first draft. 106, <laughs> yeah. 106, yeah. yeah. There will be like to- the one-off week where I'm like working on something awesome and I can be on for that many hours, but it's like... Yeah. If there was a second week behind it, I mean, I would just collapse, I think. Yeah. But like, it's here and there. No, you can do a hell week, week, I think. Totally. You can do a hell I'll week. I would actually say it's, it's the hard. opposite. It's like a heaven week. You're like, I'm so pumped yes. that I can actually mm. do this for 100 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you can't like do that week after week necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you might, you probably have like a few weeks or maybe one or two months of the year where it feels like you get everything done. Or like you get all of the That's really significant point. stuff of the year done. And then you look at that and you think, well, why can't I, you know, I should be doing that every month, right? Because then I would get so much more done. And you kind of have to realize that, no, the reason that you can get all of that done in those periods is that you're not getting as much done during the other periods, it's like rest and recovery, right? Yeah. Like, you know, 95% of race training is resting, right? Yeah, and and so lifting too. It's the same and thing. Lifting it's like, too, yeah, yeah. It's like strain and then and then rest. But I'm actually reading uh, Paul Miller's book right now, The Pathless Path. Finally, Pathless Path, I know yeah. we had him. I know we had him on the show, and <laughs> but I didn't get around to reading it till now. And it's like it's a very easy read, like good read. Definitely not a lot of fluff because he's self published, which is which is great. But like that kind of he talks a lot about similar kind of, a similar kind of thing, which is kind of the idea of being underemployed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, purposely right so like because he used to work at like these large consultancies like he was at mckinsey and then he's at some other large consultancy and it's like you know you're kind of like always on in these like types of roles always on in the sense of like you might not be doing high quality or like high creative output type work the whole time but you're always kind of low level working at all times a day essentially um and he said when he started working for himself he was his goal was to kind of do the same kind of work just independently. And he found himself kind of like putting himself on that same kind of schedule, like, oh, I need to be on during these times and need to be like working at all times. And um instead he's like over the and, and I don't think this is new to to you, Nat, but it was like just a good reminder for me was like he's a kind of being really careful about what kind of clients he picked who weren't gonna expect him to be doing that all the time and be more like output based yeah. allows him to kind of work the way he wants and like sprint when he wants to sprint and then like just not work the other times, which is so opposed to how like a McKinsey, for example, would expect you to work. That's probably like the best heuristic for whether I would survive at a job is like, can I go a day without responding to Slack or email and not get fired? And if the answer to that is no, then I probably would get fired. (laughs) Yeah. I think a, a very important key to happiness is not working in anything with billable hours. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean he does bill hourly he said a few sometimes but it's like then he'll charge like i think the first time he said he ever did uh where he kind of had this realization 
that like he should be underemploying himself a little bit. He like 10x his rate and was like, there's no way they're gonna say yes to this. And then yeah. like they were like, okay. And then he did it. And then he just like realized he had enough money to not work for a while <laughs> at the end of the project. So then he was like, okay, instead of getting another client, I'm just gonna like go bum around Asia for a couple months. Yeah. And, like but it's a, just like a very different way of thinking. Yeah. I have a friend who was doing email marketing consulting. And, you know, he would like, you know, help help out on sort of an ongoing basis for companies implement like email marketing and uh, specifically for e-commerce, right? So doing repurchasing and like review emails and all of that. And he's making like good money doing it. But then he he tried like a different model where he just flew in to a company's office for one weekend and sat with them from like Thursday to Sunday and got everything implemented in a like 72 hour sprint and then gave them a like whole uh, user manual for everything they could possibly want to like change or fuss with or whatever from then. And then like, you know, quarterly check-ins going on from that. And he would charge like 15 grand for the weekend. And it was like immediate ROI for these companies because they often make more than that from the email automations within the next month or two. And then he would just do like one of these every six weeks and be like set <laughs> financially. And when he told me about this, I was like, that is the most incredible business model ever. So you work like one weekend every month and a half and your whole life is paid for. <laughs> like, that's wild. That is, yeah. That's and I guess in that kind of like, if in that kind of scenario, consulting work is actually not like a very bad lifestyle choice. At no, all. no. It's that's like, an incredible yeah, you, way to do it. Yeah. Like a one weekend sprint. And then five weeks off. <laughs> there is something about like the 72 hour surge being worth more than like six weeks of the slow work. Low burn. Like, yeah, totally. Even even like in perception, like I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, this is like, I almost thought of like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. It's like, he's going to yes. come. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yep. like that is worth a premium because he's going to do it in three days. Totally. That's awesome. A deal should do uh, the wolf for personal digital security implementation. <laughs> just airdrops Dude, in actually, his black beanie, secures all your shit. <laughs> People would pay for that. It's actually not the. It's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> no, know. it's not. There's a friend in New York where we were talking about like, what if we were doing like pen testing for like mid to high, not super high profile, but I like, call like you know mid profile individuals online, like somebody mm-hmm. who wouldn't otherwise do this and really only needs it like once a year or once every six months. And, uh, I don't know, still something on the back burner. It's like, it wouldn't be super crazy. And, uh, there's like for Twitter anons, for example, like imagine like in crypto land, it's like, yeah, if you can find me, then we'll pay you like this amount. And you like run a test one where they don't give you any information and you try to find them and find out who they are. And then you give another test where they tell you who they are, or they tell you some identifying traits, and then you see if you can break in and do that like once or twice a year, super valuable. Right? Yeah. I've, I've got a friend who's making a pretty sick income now doing like contract vulnerability auditing and testing. And like, you really could just do that for individuals. So I feel like people would probably be pretty interested in it if they're like, you know, remotely exposed to any weird world. I mean, it's like, it's so funny. I'm, I'm literally getting a, a phishing text right now as we're having this conversation. There's probably already like a gray market for the stuff anyway. Like I highly I doubt bet. that, you know, like maybe she, maybe I should rescind the statement. What I was going to say that I realize I actually don't really believe like, 
I highly doubt celebrities don't do this, but actually I totally doubt they do this. I bet, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet they don't do uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what you could do too is like just, you know, like penetrate people and then charge them to get all their shit back. And then you don't have to like go do a sales process or anything. You just yeah. find the vulnerabilities and then you make money. And so if you want, you can just keep the stuff you find too. And you know, Yeah, that too. It's like they can't yeah. do anything. <laughs> yeah, because what if I can't reach out to them and you know, in Yeah, it's kind of hard sometimes. <laughs> uh, this is a joke. Uh, anyone listening? <laughs> Don't do this. Would not recommend. Uh, How is it actually having a pot, like being on a podcast regularly while having a job? Because I, we didn't have the podcast when I last had a, a job. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I feel like I would have been thinking a lot about like what I'm saying. The thing is, I usually think about what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Oh, uh, yeah. That's. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I mean, there's a few friends at work who listen every now and then. Like, someone will be like, oh, I couldn't find you on LinkedIn. So I went to your website and I saw it made you think. And I didn't know you had a podcast. And I listened. And, you know, everyone sounds really smart except for you. And uh, <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Nothing interesting about it. I love joining I can't you guys. Imagine so as a, on a personal yeah. note, it's like a blast. I wouldn't ever want to hold back because of a job, but I don't know. We also don't do anything like that dumb. So no, I think the only time that stuff matters is when something like gets said or whatever in a podcast or social media or whatever, and then other people at the company find it and complain about it or use it as a way to attack that person within the company. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think m- hardly any HR departments are like combing through everybody's stuff to like find things to get them in trouble for. I could Although be wrong that about is that, a but- that is a great like horrible business idea. Like horrible Somebody's in the sense that. of like I don't want this to exist. But it exists. It exists. It exists. Yeah, what there a tool is a for thing HR you- departments to yeah monitor all their employees' social media feeds it's- for you know wrong yeah. thing. It's called Fama, F A M A, I think. Dot IO, and like FOMO's it's evil cousin. <laughs> uh, AI-driven Fama. candidate insights. Fama helps you surface a range of harmful online behaviors at the point of hire to protect Holy your shit. business. Fuck these guys. I mean, the thing is, like, they're probably making a ton of money. But oh, I'm yeah. sure. There, there's a degree to which this is valuable, but like it just bleeds into things that like just probably shouldn't roll in there. Like if you have like screening words for somebody saying something like anti-Semitic, then like absolutely put that into a report. But yeah. like, as far as I understand, like Fama will put like swear words and they'll like flag a swear word or it'll flag mm. like a political thing. I, I, I might be speaking a little out of my ass here because I haven't looked at it in over a year. But uh, when identify I last- problematic behavior before it becomes an issue, like. Interesting. I, I can't actually like minority say minority report like, type stuff. Yeah. I don't think I'll go so far to say like the whole premise is wrong. Like I would kind of want to know if someone is like, you know, yeah, what's yeah, that part would be useful. If someone was yeah. like, fuck the Uyghurs or something, right? Like I would want to know that they said that if I was debating hiring that person. But if they were also like just saying the word shit, like I just I don't really need to see how yeah. often somebody swears on their Twitter. Like, can I tell you if they like oat milk or not? That would be important to me. <laughs> <laughs> It should tap into their credit card purchase history. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember that thing where that professor got fired based on the tweets he was liking? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that I bet I bet something that was like a this really looks wild that, one. Likes Maybe. are yeah yeah because likes are viewable. So 
or yeah. in the in the middle of all the like COVID, COVID mania, somebody actually emailed me, like somebody I didn't know. They emailed me because I was liking the Mark Andreessen memes about COVID stuff, and oh they were like. God. How could you like believe in all of this nonsense? Like, you know, Andreessen's like destroying the unity of the country and like putting people's lives. I'm like, uh, he's tweeting hilarious memes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry if that offends you, but that is not my problem. (laughs) There's a tool just because you liked them. Yes, because I liked them. Like, I wasn't retweeting them or anything. The time to email you. That's like I know because you get like no emails from. People like from yeah, fans nobody, and stuff. You get no nobody emails. wants to talk to me. Guys, email, that, like, email that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I email that. I even put my email in my but... Twitter bio just just to feel something. And <laughs> no, but the crazy thing is when you had like the whole like cancel brigade come after you. Like nobody emailed you. No, I got one email. Yeah, like <laughs> I I actually am kind of shocked that it took this long for these tools to come about. Like. When I was in high school, people were like, hey, watch out. Like, That's true. Link. That's a good and one, yeah. Now it's like 10 years later and like finally something exists that really like takes internet is written in ink and then weapon like weaponizes it, uses it, right? The other thing I was going to add is there's a tool uh, that I started paying for last year. I, I, I forget what it's called. I think it's called Tweet Deleter, but I, I forget. And basically, I just have it that like every seven days it goes and wipes all my likes and retweets. Hmm. And this way it's like if I retweet What's it called? Tweet deleter. Nice. I'm like 85% sure that's what it's called. I'll, I'll check. Uh, but I think it's like, I don't know, it's like 40 bucks a year or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, like I, there's no value to me for a like from like five years ago to continue to exist. And yeah. I don't know. I like stuff on the time man. I sit on and I just scroll and I like stuff. And I'm not like always thinking about like in 10 years, what is someone going to think about this? Like, right. Like, and what it, it doesn't really help you at all. To keep it, yeah. I mean, I'm not going back. I like. I think I, when I started using it, I had like twenty thousand likes, and I have literally not a single time in my life gone back and been like, "Did I like that?" Yeah, I also think like Twitter doesn't do nearly enough with bookmarks. I, I also think a lot of platforms, not just Twitter, but like even YouTube, I feel like could do a, bit, a lot better job with like saving videos and liking videos and organizing them. Yeah. Into like, I mean, auto organizing them, especially like, cause some things are just funny. You want to keep them because they're funny. Other ones are like educational. Other ones are like education within like programming or within like specific topic. Like there's a lot where, you know, you just build up this library. That's like very cumbersome and unorganized. Like that's how I feel about Twitter uh, bookmarks too. I have, I have like a ton of shit in the bookmarks. I don't even know why I bookmark anything anymore because I've never like, it's not organized enough for me to ever go back and actually find anything. I think the consistency of this problem suggests that hardly anybody ever goes and uses the things that they save online, right? It's like mm, Instapaper and that like Instapaper sense. and Pocket are like remarkably mediocre products for like how many people seem to at least sign up for them. But I think most people Instapaper or Pocket things and then just like never go read them. Yeah. Right? Like, YouTube watch later is a very half-assed feature. It's not pocket is it, such a like, good it tool takes, to save your time because you exactly yeah because then you don't read stuff. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like YouTube watch later is like barely built Twitter bookmarks is barely built if you save something on Reddit like if you bookmark something on Reddit it takes like six clicks to get to the saved things on Reddit it's like impossible to find which is so wild because the only one I ever use is reddit bookmarks i know it's like this is the one that would be the most useful (laughs) and even there it's impossible i think 
I, I really feel just like people never want to look back on old stuff. They just want to sit in the feed. It's also like the Twitter bookmarks. If you have Twitter blue, they give you the categories and you can organize it. They don't have search. That's like the only thing I want. I want to go to my bookmarks. I want to type in a word and be like, here's everything I've saved around the word. And no. I love how bad Twitter is at search in just every domain. In general. Like, yeah. There, there is not a single search on Twitter that is good. <laughs> like normal search, terrible. Un- like DMs, terrible. Uh, like bookmarks doesn't exist, right? Like you doesn't know, exist. You know when, you know when like a couple weeks ago, all like the Twitter layoffs were like just starting and people were doing that yeah. like tweet format of like, if anyone's hiring, let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. the engineer who is responsible for whatever. The funniest <laughs> one I saw was like, yeah, like on Twitter, if you do like dollar sign and then like a you know a symbol, you know, so a, a, I guess letters, mm-hmm. you it's like meant to be like a stock ticker, right? It'll be like dollar <laughs> sign A A P L, right? For like Apple, and you click it, and all it does is go to like a search for yeah. other people using the same dollar sign A P L. And somebody's thing was like, if anyone's looking for a software engineer, let me know. I'm the engineer who's responsible for making the dollar sign just go to the search bar and not actually do anything. So funny. Like they had a full fledged, like thin twit, like easy setup there. Like they built the clickable, like dollar sign thing to be, go to symbols. It doesn't even like, this is such a simple API call is just pull up like a chart of the stock. Like I could build that. I'm not even a good developer. I suck it. I'm not a good programmer at all. And like, I know how to build that. I haven't fact-checked this, but somebody was texting me about it last night. Is it true that another three-quarters of Twitter employees quit yesterday? Three-quarters? That's what they're saying. I, I don't know. I mean, the site's working fine today. So. Okay, and they so, locked out everyone as well, supposedly. That's another thing I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Not. He he did he did the ultimatum, the hardcore deadline or whatever. Commit to an extremely hardcore working culture or quit. Yeah, so supposedly like another three-quarters have resigned. That's what my friend was saying at least is, I don't know. I don't read the news. I have no idea what's true anymore. But when he said that, I was like, you know, Twitter will actually probably run fine on 10% of its original workforce, which like, is super bullish for big tech because I actually feel oh, like totally super uh, so bloated. bloated. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I, they're all going to make the same amount of revenue and cut their headcount by like, you know, 30% or 40%. Totally. And I, they're going to be doing I great. I don't know a single person who went to Facebook or Google or like any of these big tech companies who came back and said, oh my God, it's so intense. It's so hard. Like I'm working nonstop. Literally every single one is like, ah, it's great. You know, we work yeah. like 15 hours a week and get free lunches and like dry cleaning. The only you one know, I've heard is Amazon. I've heard Amazon. Amazon I've heard is, that. is yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I feel like they've maintained that ethos pretty well, but it's like all these other, uh, yeah, like non physical world. I think it's the yeah. non physical world thing. No, you I, think, have I to think you're right about that. No, I think margins. you're right about that. Also, because Am- exactly, that's exactly it. Because Amazon yeah. is a retailer still at the end of the day. I mean, they have AWS, totally. which is a different thing, but like, I mean, Amazon, if you think about their closest real world like counterpart, it's like Walmart. It's Walmart. Yeah. And Walmart makes people double up on hotel rooms. To this day, if wow. you're on a business trip, unless that. you're like, you know, I think there's like a some exemptions to that. But like, if you're going on a trip with like another dude, they're like, you're getting a two queen bed hotel room. You're not getting two separate hotel rooms. It's great. Google would because rent out the whole hotel for you. So. Because the freaking like, because <laughs> the freaking like, uh, you know, margins are so tight in retail 
They're just like, we can't add operating expense. And while I feel like Amazon is probably not that bad, but like, it's another, it's like in that world still of retail. Yeah. So I, I can, really would not yeah. be surprised if most of these like tech companies can run on 10 or 20% of their original yeah. workforce. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Also, like, think about the opportunity to work at Twitter right now. Like, I feel like after this calling of the herd, like, I'm not saying this is, I'm not recommending somebody goes and works at Twitter. I don't know anything about the inner workings. I mean, this is not an endorsement of what he's doing at Twitter or whatever, but just in terms of like p- potential, like asymmetric payoff. Yeah. If I were technical, I would be lining up to work <laughs> yeah. there right now. I mean, that sounds yeah. fucking fun. Are you kidding? I don't like, care if it works be... or not. <laughs> exactly. No, that's what I was going to say. I was like, the, the either it's going to like work and you're going to make a lot of money by making it work and you're going to have like the coolest thing on your resume. And you yeah. can probably become like head of some department because there's nobody there right now. You'd be like, oh, I'm the head of BD. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I'm the only person that works in biz dev at the <laughs> company. And no, but or if it colossally fails, it's a it's a company everyone's heard of. It's Elon Musk. So there's going to be some crazy cool stories. And you could write a book very easily totally. off the back of that. Yeah, I, I feel like that's part of it. Maybe the, I should go do that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Wait, no, I want to. <laughs> yeah, Let's maybe. go together, Neil. This will, yeah. We could do a joint book. <laughs> a deal can come with us. Head of design at Twitter now. And, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's part of the play because if you're like, you're Elon, there's 7,500 employees. You think you only need 2,500. So if they get rid of what, 5,000, you're like, well, I want people who are mission oriented. So I will act publicly in this absolutely insane way and just get them to leave because they'll self-select. And yeah. you'll just end up with 2,000 people who were in the old Twitter. They were like the 2,000 dissidents who are now like the 2,000 acolytes. The true uh, believers. Yep. Yeah. I mean, well, and he could increase... Elon worshippers or whatever it is, it's like you've now had people who are willing to be like, oh, you, I'll do the Twitter 2.0 long hours. I'll deal with like all the Elon like craziness. I don't just hate him on principle. Like, there's all yeah. these filters he's now made very public. I think it's deliberate. Like, it's I, smart. Yeah. It's really smart. Yeah. It's really yeah. smart. Well, and I, he could like increase all of their pay fifty percent too, and he's still saving an insane amount of money, right? Like, you can make it a really attractive job. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but it. Like you can have, it doesn't have to be like a total trade off for these people after reducing your payroll expenses by like 90%. Like, does, has anybody looked at Twitter's financials? What percent of their expenses are employees? Do we know? I'm sure it was a lot, but let's. The one like dent in this theory though is the total like. This all the very obvious second order effects from the eight dollar blue check mark, like, I'm like, well, probably could have seen that one coming. Like, anyone's buying the blue check mark? You just yeah. see the George W. Bush one. Like, there were some really yeah. wild ones that uh, I don't know. It was just like when I saw it, I was like, yeah, well, like no shit. That that one was uh, kind of worrisome. It felt like he was like very flailing in public. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm looking. I'm trying to find like the headcount head expense. Yeah. I know. I see like one number, which I feel like can't be right, but what is it? Who knows? It's under the general. It's under like I'm looking at their income statement, and they have an operating expense line item. Under that, they have general and administrative expenses, which is the closest I feel like to where there's a Bloomberg chart <laughs> that breaks it out by general and admin, sales and marketing, R and D, and then cost of oh, revenue. Oh, okay. Okay. 
but also awesome revenue those... is probably like commissions and stuff, right? Well, it says that that's a lot of like data centers and like energy expenditures, um, but also compensation for operations staff. And then R and D has a bunch of payroll in it as well, and so does sales and marketing, and so does general and admin. So it's kind of like it's not split out very well in this. But to to touch on your intuition, Neil, G and A is not just their only. They have R and D headcount also. Well, yeah, and operations headcount and sales and yep. marketing headcount. Yeah. Yeah, because just the GNA one, at least the line item, it's not just the headcount, but the line item for 2021 was 584 million. And then the R and D was the R and D budget, not just headcount, was one point two five billion. Yeah. What R and D were they doing? Like the product's been super stagnant. Yeah, the product's terrible. For like, yeah. <laughs> terrible, but it hasn't improved. It hasn't right? changed like, very much. Like yeah. what? What was the R and D? Actually, Adil, going back to one thing you said a couple minutes ago, like about this being deliberate, it reminds me of how, like, you know how, like, in let's say, like a sports movie or something, when like the new coach comes in and like makes the team do like ridiculous workouts, hoping people will quit. Yeah. And then the ones that are left are like the ones who actually want to be there. It kind of is what he's doing. Like he's like making it so people leave who are not going to be fully aligned to the mission. Yeah. I mean, the it's risk lot, there is it's like, a lot cheaper if they quit than if you lay them off too. Yes. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet that it's, it, it's another one of the shit posts, but it was like 2,500 Twitter ex Twitter employees with six months of severance. RIP to Mexico City. <laughs> I had something, but I lost it. Everyone's looking at me expectantly. I, I you're doing the thing you do once an episode, which is like look like you're making a really good point, no, I but no words come out of your mouth. No words. <laughs> I'm glad that I look like I'm about to crush it right before I do that, though, because in yeah. my head, I'm like, where was I? Like, well, <laughs> who are these guys? Why am I on the It's call? a good way to get through meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I was recently watching, like, my, my, like, evening, like, bullshit evening thing has been, like, watching Seinfeld. And it's, like, we're going through it very slowly, like, the last, like, whatever, year and a half that it's been on Netflix. And there's this episode where George is like, yeah, I don't do any work, but I just look angry at my desk and people think I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> now when I walk around the office, I see angry people like at their, like, at their desk. I'm like, are you doing anything? Like, are you- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Were we talking about R&D? Is that what you were, yeah, you were going to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole like R&D being high and nothing getting shipped. Like, as an outsider, my understanding of Twitter has been like, it's a highly political organization. So you probably just have like internal, like stasis, like constantly, like one PM doesn't want a thing that another PM wants. And then no one shows up to like break it up. Cause the last yeah. two years they started to really move. Like they experimented with fleets. They released bookmarks. They did spaces like out of nowhere. They shipped yeah. a million things. And uh, it was pretty clear. Someone was breaking down whatever those barriers were. And they were like, yeah, whatever. Stop bickering and just ship. That was actually really cool. Like that was the most fun Twitter has been. No, this is the Remember most fun fleets? This is the- fleets. Twitter is the only network where I actually want to see someone's story. And it's the only network where they got rid of the feature. <laughs> really? What did, did you like get- about fleets? Yeah. What did you like about fleets? It was just, those are the people where I want to see like the random uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder if it just wasn't getting much engagement or like that must be why they got rid of it. The thing mm-hmm. that I vaguely remember them 
tweeting out at the end, they were like, the KPI it was meant to drive was the number of tweets. Like it was supposed to, I'll find the thread. I don't want to like misquote it, but they, they released a thread being like, there was a KPI they were looking to hit uh, from fleets and it just didn't get there. And if I recall correctly, it was driving people to tweet more. Got it. On the other hand, like one thought I just had is, is Twitter cool only because it never really caught on? Like in terms of... I- Mainstream. I've thought about that a lot, like because I think that's part of the thing with Reddit too. Yeah, is like Reddit kind of has retained this magical quality for like 10, 20 years because it never became like the place, right? That everyone exactly. Went to. It's like lower pressure. It's like lower stakes. It's you know, it's back of the bus, right? So yeah, ex- exactly. It's almost like cool because it is like the subculture. Yeah, you know that like normal people aren't part of. <laughs> Totally. I like that. Because <laughs> it's, like it's not like we're all like, oh, if Twitter gets shut down, like, I guess we'll see you on Facebook. Like, <laughs> like nobody's no, yeah. doing that. Yeah. It's, it's literally like if Twitter got shut down, we would make a new one. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I had this thought yesterday, though, because I'm actually thinking of like soft quitting Twitter where I just post to it, but I don't really go on it at all. Uh, it's like very selfish Twitter, right? It's like, okay, people can pay attention to me, but I'm not going to pay attention to anyone else. Didn't uh, you say you're already doing that through Buffer on your phone? I, I am, but I still check it like once every day or two, right? But then I'll occasionally be kind of like, okay, now I really want to like see what's going on, right? Like you, you get in the, like you have too much caffeine, and you're like, I want to go fight someone, right? Um <laughs> But I think that that's why people like Twitter because like I was thinking about why why can you say almost anything on a podcast or a newsletter and like nobody cares but you say like a remotely controversial thing on Twitter and people just lose their fucking minds and I think part of it is that human communication is so like context based that when you take like a single thought and remove all of the context, it maximizes the like range of responses to it to some extent where a like controversial statement in the middle of a thousand word piece, you've got the full context around it. And so you're not going to like lose your shit over that one sentence. But if you just have that one sentence on its own, it's kind of like volatility maximizing. Right. And so that might be why Twitter is so addictive is because by removing things from their context, we just get immediate hits of like extreme, you know, happiness and agreement or extreme anger. And like, but that's also why it's like so uniquely like aggravating compared to other platforms. I had this exact same realization yesterday about GitHub, the comments on PRs. I was talking to a PM about it where like he and I will like frequently disagree and but over calls or in person, it's like everyone knows it's cool. But the way you respond to each other and quote each other on GitHub on a PR is like it, you literally quote the other person's thing and then respond in line. And it yeah. looks like there's just something about it that looks argumentative the second you get into mm. a disagreement, even if it's very mild. And he and I were like, they're like, a, it was like a multi point, like a multi pronged thing we were discussing. And we were like semi disagreeing. It wasn't even that crazy, but it looked so aggressive. And I was like, I was like responding. And I actually slacked him separately. I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I'm not pissed. I'm just like, I'm just replying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and Twitter can be that way too, because like sometimes you'll disagree with somebody that you're friends with and 
it's like even when I'm disagreeing with friends on Twitter, like sometimes I'm a little unsure. Like, are we actually angry at each other, or are we just yeah. like, is this like playful banter? Right? Like, you know, we like we can shit on each other in the podcast, and none of us think anything of it. But sometimes replying to things on Twitter, it's like all of that emotional nuance is removed. And yeah, I feel like a lot of our brains just default to reading everything as being like maximally aggressive. Probably that's probably a like safety. That's probably a defense mechanism, right? Like you it's default like just to, in case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you default to assuming aggression, right? <clears throat> just in case there is aggression. Yeah, uh, it's like when people text. If, if someone texted you with like a capitalized first letter of the sentence and a period at the end, you'd be like, "Wow, they're mad." Yeah, they're pissed. <laughs> it's like, hello, like, exclamation points and like, yeah. four emojis. If somebody replied no problem with the N capitalized and a period at the end of that, you'd be like, damn, yeah, we, we have a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am about to get murdered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which that makes it kind of interesting because it's like, then we evolve or we adapt all of these ways to show non-aggression in messages like smileys smileys and, like and exclamation, exclamation marks or whatever yeah. but then I'm not you being of, aggressive <laughs> yeah but then you I sound promise. like an idiot sometimes yeah. right so or you sound enthusiastic about stuff you have no reason to be enthusiastic about <laughs> yeah yeah like looking forward to reading your report or something <laughs> <laughs> but you were enthusiastic about that yeah. <laughs> god <feel. laughs> um yeah, I think also though Twitter's algorithm, this may be one place where their R&D is working. Like, so I used to always do the chronological feed, but obviously they keep trying to force you back into like their stupid algorithm. Mm-hmm. And I say stupid algorithm, even though I've been enjoying it lately. Like this is the first last like three, four weeks. I haven't switched it back. No, I've been enjoying it because I mostly these days have been just liking like funny tweets. Yeah. And like my feed gets continuously funnier. Like this app has gotten so much less infuriating for me. Like, I just now go on Twitter and I have a laugh every single time. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's it's kind of cool, though, because it's, I just don't engage with stuff that's, like, trying to make you angry or, like, trying to elicit a reaction. Even if I agree with it, yeah. I'm, like, not clicking the like button. So I'm not teaching mm. the algorithm that <clears throat> this is the kind of stuff I want to see. Smart. And it's made the feed really um, a lot better. It took, like, three weeks. But, like, this week in particular has been just, like, gold. It's just like zero stress going on. I mean, it's it's always like somewhat topical, but it's just like joke tweets. I don't know how their algorithm is figuring this out, but it's a ton of trolls. Like just it's all that my feed is not useful for finding out what's actually going on, which is what I was saying with the like sex tape thing before we started recording. I have no idea if that's real or not. And I have no interest in knowing if that's real or not. It's just funny. Yeah, I like <laughs> don't care anymore. What's real. Yeah. Not, if I'm being yeah. honest. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sort of with you, Neil. I'm here for the entertainment. I'm here for the exactly. laughs. Like, if my if my family's you know safe and shit, then whatever. Exactly. Like, like you know, yeah. That's exactly kind of where I'm landing on it. Where it's, I mean, this sounds. Some people are going to be mad at this. Like we're sticking our head in the ground or whatever. But it's like if the people that I care about are fine and I'm fine, like. I'm just here for the laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. what I was saying in the in the text. Like, I still don't know how the election went. I want to see yeah. how long I can keep that going. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have no idea which team won. Right? I'm very It'll be great. It'll be great to see like if you can do that in 2024. I like that would be yeah, the amazing right? test. Of it. <laughs> how long can you go before finding out who the president is? <laughs> yeah. I my I like two hundred words muted on Twitter, so like my Twitter was useless for the election. But I I like went and checked 
I was like curious to see, you know, am I going to get like angry texts from people? You know, like <laughs> I wonder if Twitter's algorithm factors in muted words. I actually, I mm, never go to the algorithm. It's a good question. It's just like I, junk for me, but my, I bet my that muted, it, oh, God. my muted word list would just be goldmine. It's like, yeah, don't ever show me anything about these things. I have so many obscure words muted now that I actually don't see some of my own notifications. Like I have yeah, same. guns muted and, uh, Someone like replied, I posted that tweet of my like old face and someone was like, all the deal has the, got the guns or something like, like it didn't see it. It just didn't show yeah. up and, like, separately. They were like, did you not get this? And I was like, I actually didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I screwed it up. Well, I, even if it doesn't uh, directly involve muted words, it would indirectly factor them in because you're not liking any tweets that have those words in them yeah. right so you're, you're it's kind of like neil's strategy right you're just not engaging with any of that content so it's probably getting down prioritized in your algorithm honestly at this point it's like i follow a couple hundred people but i have a separate list for just the people i know in real life and mm, i pin it to the top nice. of my feed and that's just where i go like i don't even check the main feed very often anymore there's like 15 that's a nice way to do it that's a good way to do it actually yeah, yeah. i should do that i like that because that, that's literally the one reason I don't want to quit Twitter is I like hanging out with my Twitter friends, yeah. right? Like, obviously, the people who I'm friends with in real life, but then also the people who I've just met through Twitter and goofed off with on there for years and have maybe never met in person. And I'd be kind of sad to lose that, right? Like, I, I, I like that. But it also, like, literally nothing else in my life will put me into a, like, random spiral in the middle of the day the way Twitter can sometimes, which is, like, not healthy. So... It's very like, okay, it, how, how do I keep the good while removing the bad? Crazy what 280 characters can do. I know. There's just so many people who are wrong about things on it. It's really <laughs> frustrating. Like, <laughs> like how, do, how do they live? How do they go through life being so wrong well, about that's, so many that's things? One of my, that's one of my new favorite categories of funny tweets is like, there, there was one yesterday I saw, which was like, you know, the whole, like, this person, like, someone born in this year is now X years old. Like, let that sink mm-hmm. in or whatever format. So somebody goes, someone born in 1999 is now 46 years old. Let that sink <laughs> in. <laughs> this is what my feed looks like now. It's amazing. <laughs> what would it take to, like train gpt3 on my feed and have it just like text me tweets as they arrive whether or not i'll like them you know and then i just like i open my text message chat with gpt3 every few hours and gpt's just like hey these are the tweets i think you'd like don't even bother opening the app i just i already, yeah. I already checked right like that's actually a cool idea this sort of like what the doable, yeah. to do, but the algorithm always like fits in like hey like here's someone angry like go juice this up right yeah um whereas Training the AI would just be purely selfish. Like, Actually, we should talk about that a little more. I know uh, we did talk a little bit about AI on one of the episodes, but I feel like, Nat, have you been playing around more? Nope. I cut myself with off. It. I went back a to deal has been A deal has been in with this generative AI uh, group that we have. I've been, I've been lurking. See yeah, people yeah. Are posting. Yeah. No, I, I love the group. I just, I was like... I, I started getting more and more into it and I was like, I am procrastinating writing. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end up with a job. I need to stop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I, I officiated a wedding two weeks ago, maybe a week ago. I forget. Time's a blur. 
But uh, the like week prior was when I got off the Lex uh, wait list. So yeah. I like threw like my speech into Lex and I was like, give me some more. And it was so bad. Like Lex, <laughs> Lex for other stuff has been really good. I think I posted a thread into generative AI for like, I primed Lex with some information about like VPN, like VPNs and like when to yeah. use a VPN and how it like moves risk around. And Lex was like actually added new information to that and like substantially improved it. For the vows, it was like, I wrote something like, I like to say pretty good. And then Lex was like, here's my kindergartner's rewrite. <laughs> yeah. It's very it, interesting. It was like, when it got into the emotional, like more, I don't want to call it fiction, but like storytelling, it really broke apart. It was very weird to see that specific break. It's very good at explaining things. Yeah. But that out of the box, thing. it's not a very good like storyteller yeah. or, and it's not a very good writer. Like it has a very boring kind of like generic explanatory voice, right? I Which isn't so. Lex, it's, it's GPT-3, right? You have to train it on the way yeah. you want it to talk, basically. Yep. I uh, I threw some technical docs in there. And then I just started asking the questions. I was like blocked on like connecting two things, two services to each other. And they had some documentation and it was like really long. So I, I threw the whole thing in and then I asked a question and it just gave it to me. And it wasn't oh, cool. plainly written in the docs. It synthesized something in the docs and wrote a new sentence. It was mind-blowing. That's hmm. cool. That's a yeah. really good strategy. Like, it, that, that's well, imagine intercom, something like intercom on top of every tech company's documentation page. And it just sends it to GPT three. That's it. Have you played with the GPT three embed API? No, I haven't. Cause that's what it does is you can feed in any like huge amount right. of data that you have, and then you can query it and it does like search on all of your existing like materials uh in the form of like a conversational question it's really cool and so so what somebody needs to do is build a note-taking app with that built in natively to it because then you have an actual second brain app it's none of this like shitty tagging nonsense that you have to do in rome and evernote and whatever it's like just write and don't worry about organization or whatever and then when you want to say like hey you know i'm thinking about you know, mortality, like show me some of the other stuff I've written or read about mortality. It's just like, boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom, it all up. And it looks like that would be relatively trivial to do with the embedding API. It might be a little expensive, right? So you'd have to be willing to pay for it. But I mean, I think like expensive in the 30 to $50 a month range, if that, probably less, which is not, I mean, like if I could put every article and newsletter I've ever written into it and get those like contextually resurfaced for me as I'm working on other stuff, like I'd pay a lot of money for that. That would be very valuable. Dude, yeah. I mean, that's what pocket and Instapaper should be. It's not read yeah. it later. It's like read it never. Resurface me- it. Yeah. Totally. Or surface it when it's needed. Or when like, it's needed. Yeah. Like I might need this someday, right? Hold on to this. And then when I'm writing something related to it, pop it up and then I'll go read it. Yeah. That yeah. would be cool. I mean, Notion just added like what is essentially a clone of Lex into Notion. Yeah, it's a start. I, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be the challenge for Lex and for all these other tools. Is if you're just using the GPT three AI API, that's there's the... nothing defensible there. Like everyone, I met a I met a company this week doing that for um B two B emails or like B two B outreach, right? So it's like uh, generating like a unique personalized email for someone based on like their LinkedIn profile and then based on the LinkedIn profile, finding like other contextually relevant things based on them and then writing an email. But the thing is the underlying, the underlying uh, thing that they're using is just the same as everybody else. So 
It's just like, this is going to become commoditized again. Like, even if this use case is successful, it's like very simple for someone else to build the same thing. How, totally. is, how is the playground free? The, the open AI playground? I'm just it, it's not. It. You get $18 when you sign up for an account. And then once you use oh. up those $18, you have to pay. Okay. I just haven't used yeah. that yet. I started paying for Dolly because I was just like, I mean, the credits are almost free. They're like, a, I don't know, a few cents a credit or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I just love it. I, I, one use case that was we were talking that was um, being posted in the in the Telegram that's really interesting to me is the um, I think it was Angela who who posted this about like pulling out like she put in the different health plans and it was like pulling out in plain English like what's actually covered and what the plan has. So cool. Like that stuff is super interesting because think about all like terms and conditions and stuff that we're all agreeing to every single day. The like, one thing you have to be careful like your of little that, AI lawyer that could be helpful. Yeah, the one thing you have to be careful with that is GPT three doesn't know how to say I don't know. Oh, interesting. So if it if it doesn't if it's not sure it makes stuff up. So <laughs> I, like I've the caught overconfident, it. Like yeah, yeah, it's the overconfident <laughs> person in the office who just like makes some shit right. Like I, I've caught it a few times, just completely just pulling shit out of its ass to <laughs> fill in a query. Like, but if you could, if you could teach it how to like, you know, no, it doesn't know, then I think it would be fantastic. Or it's like, you might want to look more at this because I don't have enough context or something. Yeah. Like a confidence interval below yeah. response. Right. Yeah. At, at that same wedding, we were, we had Lex on her phones. So we were like, I am sweaty, dizzy, and I have an alcoholic drink in my hand. What do you think is happening? And it was like, oh, I can't diagnose. There's like a clearly a canned, like they yeah. have a funnel for the health stuff. So then we rewrote it. We were like, I ha- I'm like dizzy, sweaty, and I have an alcoholic drink in my hand. Am I drunk? And then it came, like we like worded it slightly differently and it rolled back with a, you might be an alcoholic. Just like <laughs> straight, like zero to 60. It was just like, no, you're not drunk. The- you got a big problem on your hands. I have a screenshot of it somewhere. <laughs> The other way you can get around that is instead of like asking a question, write a little short story and then have GPT-3 fill in the rest of the short story. So it could be like, you know, Adil was enjoying his third drink of the evening, but his palms started to sweat and the room was beginning <laughs> to spin. He'd wondered for years if maybe he and then like have it go from there and see what it says. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, should we wrap it up? Adil, I know you've got a, a meeting yeah, you gotta get to. This was fun. Yeah. This was fun. Send your yeah. AI to do the meeting. Send yeah, exactly. Little, yeah. <laughs> AI deal. Yeah. <laughs> I have actually never heard that. I think I've heard every bad pun on my name. That is an actual, totally novel. Nice. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, actually, hey, before we wrap up, sorry, I'll explain how I got to this. I was thinking, I was like, oh, I should just throw a bunch of my texts into like OpenAI Playground and then just like, you know, save it as a profile. And then I remembered you had the project where you were putting in like the philosophers and then asking yeah. questions. How, what happened to that? Oh, I just went back to working on my book. <laughs> like, I, I got it trained on Seneca and it works decently well. You know, it's really easy to do the fine tuning. It's super, super easy, super trivial stuff. Um, so it's worth playing around with. I think I will at some point train one on my favorite quotations from a bunch of different authors, as well as some of my favorite like paragraphs that I've written. 
because then I'll have one that's very specifically trained to my voice and the voice I want to strive towards. And mm-hmm. uh, like, and that I think is actually a very valuable product, right? Yeah. And like, I would probably pay money for certain people's trained, um, like writing coaches or assistants because, you know, like generic GPT three doesn't have any taste, right? It's just using all the information yeah. in the world. But if somebody hand curates a really well-trained model on what they think great writing is, that's actually really useful. Like that's something I'd be really curious to see. And that would be a very like defensible moat for a, a company or a platform, right? Like, like if I could sell my fine tuned writing model and like the platform keeps 30% and I keep 70% and then you could just like select it in a dropdown in Lex or something like that would be super cool. That'd be so much better than just using generic GPT three responses, but somebody Netbot. will build it. Netbot. Yeah. Netbot. <laughs> Someone will build it. It'll happen. It's a nice. natural product. Nice. Yeah, this was this was a cool episode though. We should do fun. I feel like we should do this periodically, the goof yeah. off episode series. I feel like it helps us get it out of our system so yeah. that we can be a little more on topic in the other episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna hold hold off on that judgment till we yeah, get to yeah, the next we'll one and then we have another <laughs> But supposedly we're doing uh Tao Te Ching the next time. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> so you just never do another book again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the budget all in podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the budget. You mean they're the budget made you think. No, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's pretty> <laughs> all right. I saw I saw something hilarious that was like uh all in is just the view for tech bros. And I've never been <laughs> able to <laughs> unthink that. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Amazing. That is so true. It's incredible. <laughs> well, like and All subscribe. Right, send Nat a friendly email. Uh, hit us up on Twitter while it's still up. If you like this episode, <laughs> let us know. If you hated it, you can also let us know. Uh, tell yourself. Matt if you hated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. This we'll cool. see y'all next time. See y'all next time. <laughs>